FX presents Under the Banner of Heaven. This case I'm working on is a double murder. Inspired by the true crime bestseller by John Krakauer. Oh my God. And starring Academy Award nominee Andrew Garfield. The evidence points to things and to beliefs that I have only ever heard whisperings about. FX is Under the Banner of Heaven. All new Thursdays, only on Hulu. It's me, the sun-soaked tropical hotel looking for a companion who enjoys short walks to sandy beaches and exotic bird sightings. My only weakness? You'll never want to leave me. Download the Hotels app to find me. You're perfect somewhere. Hey there, honey holers. <laughs> I just can't do the good morning like drawn it, out. That's Cliff's thing. Just, it was a whole, it was a whole thing. Plus, it's evening. It's a beautiful day outside. It is pretty nice, isn't it? It's a little cloudy. Yeah, it's it's really nice outside. What do you guys? What's been going on, fellas? Dude, I don't even know. Jury duty. Ooh, Dude. the worst. <laughs> Before you talk about jury duty, do you want to talk about what we're drinking? Yeah, no problem. Uh, Actually, but first, yeah, I would but like wait, to. Yeah. Are we? I would <laughs> like to introduce you uh, to us. My name is Landon. To my left is Zach. Uh huh. To my left, and then to Zach's left <laughs> is Gabe. Good evening. And today we have a interview that we recorded with Nathan Flowers at. The Texas Fly Fishing and Brew Festival. Yes. And Nathan is with Alter Fly Fishing. But he also has some great hunting stories that he told us. Um, their organization is really cool. And he has a, a disease. Is it a disease? Sickness. Sickness. Uh, something. He has a health crisis. A health crisis called Alpha Gal. And he cannot eat red meat, which is fascinating. And it's from a tick. It's from a Lone Star tick. And uh, this is why I wear waders everywhere I go. Yeah, I think they even said 110 degrees. 100, I'm wearing them now. <laughs> I saw. He is. Are you comfortable? Very. <laughs> <laughs> I saw some. I think like less than five pe- five thousand people have it. So it's very rare. Whoa, that is that's extremely rare. Yeah. So that's what Google told me real quick. But <laughs> yeah, that's a <laughs> and it's never wrong. <laughs> never. So better than Facebook telling me. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, I take that. Yeah. We should throw that out on one of like the hunting things and see what everyone thinks about that uh that particular disease. Yeah, Just I think it's I've heard of it. I think it's fascinating. Oh, but anyway, God. Nathan talks about it. if you guys want to learn about it and what what's going on with it, then uh we have that interview later on. Uh but before we get started, we have a, a show sponsor. Yeah. Zach, yeah. would you like to introduce our show show sponsor? <laughs> <laughs> our show sponsor. This week is Honeyhole Angling. Yeah. Thank you, Honeyhole hang- Angling. Those guys. <laughs> yeah, give them a round yeah. of applause. Thank yeah. you. Thanks for supporting Thank you. us. You know, uh, I know them personally, and They're the good, amount of effort they put into their products is just oh, chef's kiss, you know? Yeah. So. Exactly. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Honeyhole Angling. Check out their store, honeyholeangling.com. Check out their social media, honey, at Honeyhole Hole Angling. Angling. Fly tying materials. Oh, yeah. Like not to mention fly tying materials. Everything. Fly that tying golden kids. bison 
fantastic. It's like King Tyson touched it. It's so gold, you know. Yeah, we got an order. Where's a Midas? It was I, King Midas. Midas. I was <laughs> like, who's King Tyson? I don't know. I don't know. Is that a? It's King Midas. King, it's Midas. King Midas. King Tyson is is the king of chicken fingers, chicken nuggets, chicken nuggets. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. We all yeah. bow down to that. Yeah. Game, so. <laughs> I'm going to start saying that from now on It's like Kick Tyson Touched it Turned it into gold Turned it into chicken nugget Yeah And just wait until someone corrects me And just keep doing it yeah. Just keep, like, hey, just man, keep going Half the things you say with confidence Nobody's going to question what you're doing yeah. no. So you're saying I can say whatever I want on this show As long as I say it with confidence People oh, I mean, believe me yeah. Zach had us for a good 20 seconds yeah. I was all like Tyson <laughs> I just missed the reference King Tyson What's going on <laughs> How much did we drink already? No, not, barely. None. I know, right? Barely nothing. <laughs> mm. Good times. Yep. So no, get all your fly hairs. Yeah, we get, we sold a patch of golden bison the other day. I shipped it out. Nice. Now other thing, you Gabe bought one, but we still not, have some left. Not the Gabe one. Yeah. Nice. Someone yeah. must have listened to a podcast episode. They're like, "Ooh, gotta get my hands." No, like, it's honestly as someone who's bought stuff. It is nice quality. It's cool. It's different. It's something like not you're not going to see this at at fly tying stores. It is cool stuff. And then you can name your fly something crazy. You know, something like Buffalo crazy. Bill or something. Mm. Mm. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Already taken. Yes. <laughs> Probably something crappy. <laughs> no, they're they're okay, Gabe. You have some golden bison. You need yeah. to create a fly and call it Buffalo Bill. I think I'm going to start creating stuff, or and then just taking like popular popular names of stuff, and like, oh no, this is a clouser. <laughs> and it's like not even, <laughs> not, not even, even close. close. Hey, no, but if, you, like if, you, if you if you <laughs> say it, but if you say it with confidence, yeah. they'll believe you. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. trust me. I got a handle. Oh, you people fishing, dude? This thing fishes like it was touched by King Tyson. <laughs> 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 yes. What do you What are you fishing? A clouser? That I didn't know clousers were crabs. Oh, just trust me, it's a clouser. Yeah, yeah it's a clouser. Yeah, it's a clouser. Everything in my box is either a clouser or a parachute Adams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, catches fish 100 percent of the time, 75 percent. Exactly. Exactly. I I met somebody one time that only fishes parachute Adams. What? You know him? <laughs> I won't mention his name. We'll have to talk he, about it often. He probably catches fish. You know, I, he I've works at Bass Pro. Oh, stop it. <laughs> Not oh. you. No, I know who you're talking about. Get <laughs> out of here. Oh, God. I know who you're talking about. Anyway, well, I've... I have, no, but I went in there, yeah. and he was like... I was, like, looking for bass flies. He's like, man, all you need is a parachute atoms. I'm like, I have parachute atoms. I know that's not what I need. And first of all, I didn't ask you for your opinion. Well, well here's the question. Have you ever used a parachute atoms for bass? I actually have. And for panfish? It does. Yeah, for panfish. Yeah. It works like crazy. And if I buy catch a bass, great. But Imagine I, it gets his personal best. <laughs> what would you get? 14, size 14, 14 parachute yeah. Adams. Oh, man. I'm sorry. I don't, yeah. I am no longer employed by that fine establishment, <laughs> and I am fine. <laughs> it's like that It's like that Ron Swanson thing where you came over, you're like, I know more than you. And you just yeah, exactly, yeah. Around. He goes to Home Depot or something, he goes, can I help you? And he's like, yeah, I know more than you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is weird, because I'm sure, like, with anything, you know, like, anything you're really passionate about, you're going to read everything, you're going to go, and you'll go to those stores, and you know that guy's going to be helpful, but you also know... I know more than you. Like, yeah. I'm just, and sometimes I'm just like, okay, cool. Like, hey, if you want to help me, uh, just so that you feel good. Right. Great. I can do the rest for me. Thank you very much, guys. Yeah, no, exactly. You but know? the only thing is that some people you get sucked in, they're like, I helped, with them. I helped them with one thing. So I'm going to help them with everything. You want to learn how to wipe your ass? I can show you that too. Nice. You know? Uh, <laughs> well, the, 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 the double-edged sword, right? Because I worked, I worked at a fly shop. The double-edged sword of that is like, 
yes, Pete, like, and self-admittedly, I don't know everything about fly fishing. Always trying to learn more. But I want to help people that are coming in. And some people are more knowledgeable at certain things than I am. Right. And that's fine. I'm cool with that. But, number one, I'm not trying to be a jerk to you, so you don't need to be a jerk to me about it. And then, number two, you know, there's that double-sided sword of you ask someone for help. No, I don't need help. But then five minutes later, they're complaining to the manager because no one was there to help them. And so what was it? Did you want help or did you not want help? We ran into that all the time. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. you walk in, hey, can I help you with anything? No, I'm just shopping for myself. So you leave them alone and let them do their thing. And then five minutes later, they're all pissed off because no one's around to help them. And even though you asked and you tried to help them. So it's this like. Is, this could be a long rabbit hole. And this could be a whole episode in itself. Yeah, I could talk about of, uh, yeah, the perils retail, of retail. Oh, yeah, the per- yeah. A, retail alone, yeah. but specifically with fly fishing. You know, I'd, I'd feel like there was customers that would come in and judge you off the bat. Just how you looked. How you, how you carried yourself. Do you look like a fly fisher? You look like a fly fisher, right? And it's like, we're all wearing green shirts. Like, how do you know? You know, and it's like, well, you know. How, I had one guy ask me, how, well. How much do you fly fish? Which I'm like, dude, I've been here since like 2000. This is like 14 years, 13 years. <laughs> like, I don't know. What do you, what do you want to know? Like, what's your what's your question? Right. You know? Tell you what. What do you want me to say? And I'll tell you that. Yeah. Just you know what? Just, How much do you fly? Who cares? Just, yeah. Here, just, I'm just here know. to help you. Do you okay. have a question? You know right. what? I was a natural. You know what? Parachute items for giant bass. There you <laughs> That's <laughs> secret. That's all you That's need. That's secret. That's my secret. Well, I'll tell you what, too. The way you treat those employees makes a big difference on the level and care of help that you get. What do you right? mean? If someone comes in and they assume you know what you're talking about and they're being super friendly, they're asking questions, you know, you are more willing to help that person. But if someone comes in as, I know everything, I don't need your help, but then they ask you a question, you're kind of like put off by that scenario as an employee. Like, do I really want to like help this guy? Do I really want to send this guy in the best direction? Since we're talking about this, okay, I had a I had a customer come in. He comes straight to the real bar, and he's like, "Hey," and this and this is where he comes. He asks. He literally asked me, "How you know? Um, do you really know anything about fly fishing?" And I I get I get why he said it. You know, some of these big back box stores, you know, you have guys in there. They're young. Maybe they don't know as much as you think they would hopefully know. It's not a big deal. It's retail. Whatever. Well, also, sometimes you feel like. Oh, they're just putting somebody in a section. Exactly. Before. Right. So I Well, I would say I would say that in a big box. Right. Yeah, in a big store. right. In yeah, a big, in a big right, box, box store. store. Now he asked me that and I and I, I had a split second in my head. I'm like, you know, I'm gonna kinda joke. It's just kind of it's a weird comment, but I, let's just try to make this, you know, fun. So of course I said, Well, well, buddy, you know that. Oh man, like, that kind of hurts my feelings because I, I was gonna be like, I, my name tag says I've been here since two thousand seven, and it's you know it's already you know twenty twenty one, and he's like, you know, I, I said like, oh, that kind of hurts my feelings, jokingly, and he, he like it took a second, and he kind of looks at me and he's all like, well, fine then, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings, and he turns around and like completely like I saw him walk out the store. I'm like, what was that? Like, it was a, it wasn't a mad comment. It was, but it was just a weird kind of conversation. Of yeah. Like, how much do you really know? And I'm sure he's probably going to ask me a dumb question too. Right. Right. And it's like a problem again. I know more than you, buddy. You know, but that's okay. How it, much do you really know? Well, and I, I've had people like try to test my, like, oh, I'm going bass fishing. What flies would you use? And so they kind of like dig you, and I'm like, okay, I like this fly. I like this fly. I like this popper. You know, I fish it here. You know, thinking that they're going to buy some flies, and like, oh, I wouldn't use any of those. You know, 
what do you know? I'm like, I know I catch fish on these flies. Right. right. It doesn't matter. Dude, there's, I foul hook the heck out of all these fish with these there's, flies. There, <laughs> there's 10,000 10, fly variations. Yeah. I sh- Probably more than that. There's 10,000 fly variations. And you don't think that out of all of those, you can't ca- catch fish on multiples? Right. Or, or, or my favorite one is, what what's the one fly in here that'll what, what's what, what's working? What will catch all the fish? I'm like, you actually need like one of each of these. Like, it just depends on what's going on around you. Let me add, let me let me back you up there. Yeah. Before we get that far, <laughs> can you cast a fly rod? <laughs> all right. Are you gonna get caught in a tree every other cast? Like I should have did that. Like because <laughs> then we need to add a price ceiling to this. You know, I'm gonna mark stuff on the on the floor. So basically, look if you can cast. This far, you I'll answer my, it a certain way. Yeah. If you cast this far, I'd be like, "You're legit. <laughs> this is what you need to do." <laughs> need yeah, to do. exactly. Yeah. No, it was. It look. It was a fun time. I enjoyed the fact I did it. Did I need to work there? No. But, um, but I enjoyed getting out of the house. You know, got a regular career. You tell us how you so. got fired. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> what rule did you break? Uh, so you had the store kind of changed <laughs> up. Their attendance. Oh, policy. I was just kidding. I was just kidding. But uh, we, we can go down this. Yeah, road. Yeah, let's go down this road. Yeah. Let me pour another little. Oh, that's drink a heavy here. pour. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's, that's man. Uh, it was that bad, huh? Yeah, let's see if I did, get fired again. Did HR? <laughs> did HR have to get involved? Was it that bad? HR showed up <laughs> one evening with my manager, and they were both in there waiting. Now I'm coming from work, right? So I'm. I'm. The, everyone's known for all these years that I'm coming from my career job. This is for fun. Right. But when I'm there, we'll knock this stuff out. And you're basically working there for the discounts because... Well, you know, working... Yeah. <coughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, no, like... But, yeah, I mean, If look, it's an after-work job and you're not a, there, you're not there, you know... But I would think for someone who's gone to college and, you know, has a, a nice job and doesn't need to do there, that that's probably why they're working there anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, but, but in all reality, the fact for how long I've worked there... I enjoyed being. I enjoyed talking shop, talking about new st- stuff. You know, doing the fly cl- tagging classes. Because of COVID, we stopped doing all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah. So basically, in like ten years, I've never been on time because I was always driving for work, and none of the managers really cared. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden, they kind of changed their their deal, and and I I guess I hit my number, and they were concerned. They're like, hey, you know. What's going on? And I'm talking like maybe 15, 20 minutes late. But it's not like there wasn't anyone there. And it's not like even if that guy had left early, there wasn't really anyone in that shop at that time anyway. I've been in the fly shop with nobody in there. It's not a big deal. Yeah, it's like, not a big deal. Yeah. But but again, it's and, and that's the thing too. Like they've they've changed it where maybe someone's in there, maybe someone's not. And that's how it's been now. Whatever, don't care. But usually if someone needed vacation or someone was sick, they'd call me. No problem. I'll be there for you guys. Was there? Weekend? On time. No problem. Had no reason not to be there on time. Right. I'm not coming from work. So, uh, so yeah, one of the last <laughs> evenings, uh, I showed up late, and I closed, and I'm on my way out. Managers are like, hey, what are you doing here? Like, we were waiting for you back there, and you hadn't been there yet, so you probably came after XYZ time. I'm like, yeah, because I had another deal. I'm I'm working with my career job that's paying me. You know, uh, are you guys gonna good. ten times my pay to make this exactly? Yeah. Like, why am I gonna rush over here? <laughs> right, you know, and whatever. So, uh, so I thought that was funny that like HR was there to talk to me right about this, but uh, <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and and yeah, at that time, right. I was like, you know, what? that's what I was needed. And you know, my manager was like, well, you know. What what's your game plan? I was like, I don't know. I've worked here for so long. Like, I just it's been for fun. It's great. I don't need this. You don't have a game plan. You're just doing after this. college. This was a great job. You're like you're like 
I'm here because I get discounts on fishing equipment. And I'm married and I have a kid and sometimes not being home is great. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and so, you know, I was like, you know, my manager asked me, he's like, Well, you know, what's your what's your game plan? You know, like what's your what's your with your ten year plan, what's I'm like, this is re- this is what's retail. I was hoping you guys would have fired me already, and obviously you didn't. So, I don't know. It wasn't a big deal. I sent I sent an email to HR. I'm like, hey, this is this. I wrote this nice letter, and I was like, they don't care. And I just erased it. Said, hey, I'm gonna be ending on this date. Thanks. And then I just got an email back, like almost automatic. Oh yeah, thanks. We've enjoyed your time here. Thank you for know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like they don't care. They don't care. They don't need your story. Right. Just tell them what the date is. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, it, I'm sorry, Gabe. Dude, I care about your story. So then I spent the last week dropping thirty five hundred dollars to buy oh, like a oh, bunch of stuff, dang, you know, yeah, to to yeah. get it in. Now that those those discounts are coming to an end, but it was it was fun. I enjoy a lot. I met uh, my fishing crew over the years. I met through Bass Pro, and you're talking like I had a customer that came in. Guy is one of the best saltwater fly fishing guys I've ever met, and he's not a guide. He's just a regular dude. Um, but he is one of the best fly, uh, saltwater fly fisher, fishermen that I've ever met, never, ever fished with. And, um, and he would come in the shop, like when I just graduated, I was there on the weekend and he would throw these like weird random questions out just to kind of mess with me. And, and now I know why, you know, after we've talked about this, because this was, man, this was like when I started like 13, 14 years ago. Um, and he just like, you know, he said, I, I go into places and sometimes these guys think they know as, as much as, as they think they know, but they, they don't know very much, right. especially like certain things. And you were like the first guy that kind of just said, dude, I don't know. Why don't you just go on YouTube? Like, I don't know why you're coming in here harassing me about these hard questions. Like I've never done it. Right. But I know where you can go and try to look and right. see. I know you can find the answer. Right. I know you can find the answer. Um, and, and so his family and a bunch of other guys have just become like a, a core group, um, you know, almost like, like, like family. Mm. And, um, and and it was cool. It was because of that job. So, but yeah, I mean, it was cool. It was great. Hey, how did uh, Lefty Ray get his picture up in Bass Pro? You know, I I asked I, initially. That's okay. I, I know. know Lefty is like a big part of the Alamo Fly Fishers Club. Right. He does like you know like saltwater guided fly fishing trips. So from what I heard, and he's like a casting instructor. Okay. Yeah. He's got like a nice resume, right? Right. But he has a huge mural of himself. Up at Bass Pro, and I'm like, Lefty's a cool guy, right? Like, but how? How did that happen? How did that happen? So, like a very regional, local, like very good dude. Yeah. But I'm like, man, how did Lefty get his picture so up at Bass Pro? He, he jumped in the in the pond. He jumped in the pond, <laughs> <laughs> which I've seen happen several times, like several times. Several times this thing has happened. So, like, it's not a unique idea anymore. No, especially when you're already like looking. This guy is looking down with his camera. You're already like, wait a second, something's going on. He's about to do it. He's about to do it. Yeah. Um. Besides that, and the thievery and all that stuff. Again, oh, yeah. a big box store issue thing. But regardless, the Lefty Ray stuff. Um. And if you guys don't know, it's not Lefty Cray. It's Lefty Ray, and it's a gentleman here locally who's done a lot for the, like regional fly fishing as a guide, a photographer. He He's writes, a great photographer. He writes a lot for yep. um for Southwest uh, Fly Fishing Magazine. Yeah. Uh, he always has like a write up there. And and a member of the of the local chapter, uh, yep. Fly Fisher. So, but he's a very regional guy. Very regional. Very guy. regional. And so this is a pretty big, pretty big picture. I mean, it's what like a s- ten foot tall by at least ten feet tall by like four. F- like five it goes feet. from 
gr- you know, the ground level almost up to the level of the. Yeah. It might be 15 feet tall. Well, if you look at the bottom of it, it says Alamo Fly Fishers. So well, there's two pictures there when you're looking at the shop. There's him, and then the other one of us is is a fish. From what I know, the lure is, is that when the store was being built, they reached out over knowing that the shop would be there. Initially, it should have been a golf a golf section because at that time, Bass Pro sh- uh, sold golf equipment. And somewhere there was a quick change, and they said, no, we're just going to do – uh, fly fishing because it's a lot of room in there and unlike other stores like the one in houston and Perryland and all that they're not it's not that big they're just like a little little section but this one is wide open so it makes sense that there was a probability of having a golf section because you could have a simulator in there you'd have the room to do it but the last minute it changed and made it into the fly shop and they reached out to the local the local group and at that time i think lefty was taking care of the photos or whatever the case would be but he threw his picture there, which is whatever. And then on the right, that picture of that redfish is actually a stunt fish. So even though there's a fly rod next to it, when they went out there that day to do some pictures, it just so happened that they didn't catch any fish that day and some other dude had already bagged one uh-huh. or was reeling one in. So they just took a stunt shot, and that's what you see no there. It's just a stunt you know, fish caught on shrimp. Yeah. Nice. And and that's how it was done there. But yeah, I mean it was it was a good time. You know, like all the guys are there good. I learned a lot. I mean, when I started I didn't know very much. I just graduated college and I was like, Hey, you know, what what else can I do with my time? And um stumbled in the fly shop and I was like, they just happened to have an opening and you know, it worked out. But I'm married now, I got a kid. I don't have it's hard to it's hard to do. It's hard to put it in the yeah. in the uh, in the group now. So it was it was fun. It was a good time. Crossed it off, enjoyed it. And um I don't know, I was just, I stopped at the Orvis store today and you know, they're saying, Hey, you know, come out and do some some tying stuff. So we'll we'll see as yeah. we do. Yeah, the, I saw they're gonna re- start doing that yeah. again. Fly fishing one on ones are back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when's tying night coming back? Mm. Uh, Pretty soon it sounded like it'll be know. on Thursday night. You know what I realized though, like realistically we traded fly tying night for the podcast. Oh, yeah. I, I would not make it there religiously like I did. No. You know. Well, now we can't. I got nothing going on Thursdays now. So, <laughs> so yeah, I was I was talking uh, to the newer manager there because. Uh, Josh. Yeah, Josh. And um, yep. and saying, you know. Josh is a good guy. Said if you wanted I think to, he's going to do good stuff. So yeah. if you wanted to come out and do some fly tying stuff, it'd be helpful. So I gave him my number. So down the line, we're going to have a. Number. Might have a honey hole night. You can pull Ooh. my schedule. There you, you go. You can pull my schedule. Once every 90 days. Once. <laughs> why not right you can show him how to tie a buffalo bill yeah a dale earnhardt jr jr that's right rat face mcdougal (laughs) (laughs) oh man Bodie make boat face i remember that yeah but no it was it was a good time and appreciate it but anyway hey what are we drinking we are drinking (laughs) benchmark top floor so benchmark you guys have probably seen it it's like i think there's like an eight year or something like that I can't remember. It usually comes in a plastic bottle. And it's like plastic bottle. It's like twelve dollars. It's something inexpensive. Well, they recently come out with five new offerings and um, something a little special. Uh, these things happen. Sorry, I just over poured uh, <laughs> Zach over here. Uh, it is. It's benchmark top floor. It's eighty six proof. Uh, there is no. Um, there is no age statement on this. So. The assumption is that it's around like four years uh, from what I was reading. And they call it Top Floor because it's barrels from the top floor of the Rickett House. 
So um, it is a Buffalo Trace product, distilled, aged, and bottled at Buffalo Trace, which I didn't realize. I never paid attention that bookmark was, but they've got they've got a couple of offerings uh, with a small batch, a foolproof, some other stuff. Fourteen bucks. I don't think it was anything over twenty, uh, but because these had recently come out, everyone's trying to find them, and I just so happened to stop by Specs on the way over here and um, did a secret handshake and was able to at least get one uh, of the top floor. I think they had a, a single barrel, but someone was getting it when I was there. What do you guys think? 15 bucks. 15 bucks. I mean, it's probably about the best $15 drink I've had. Yeah, I would agree with that. For 15 bucks. But, but we were talking about this earlier, Zach, where if you had this or Jack, right. what would you grab? I'd probably buy Jack. But also for me, being born in Tennessee, raised in Tennessee, been in Lynchburg, like... <clears throat> Jack means a little bit more to me than it does the normal person, right? Like, I, I have a little more nostalgia for Jack Daniels. But, um, I mean, what about you, Landon? You'd be, probably be kind of unbiased. Would you grab this? Now, to paint, the paint the picture, Landon has had it straight and has mixed it with Diet Coke. Yes. True. So, I would rather have this than Jack. Okay. I think it tastes better. Um, it tastes better straight, and it tastes better mixed. Hmm. Win-win. Yeah. Win. It's not bad. It's, honestly, not, it's, not, it's bad. not bad. For 15 bucks. it's not bad. I don't know if I would grab this or Evan Williams for it. Evan Williams being 15 bucks. Right. Um, they're both good. I'm I'm kind of interested to try the other ones. I just don't know if I'll be able to find them. This dropped today locally and was already gone after a couple of hours. I got right. the last top floor at around 5.30. Right. Um, and that's after they had put some stuff up at like 3 o'clock. Now, how much is there, was their uh, use of the single barrel? I think they're all like under 20 bucks. I didn't Dang. think they're all, I didn't think they're very expensive. Yeah. Now, you told me that this is bottled by Buffalo Trace, which yes. I did not know. Yeah, again, I didn't think, well, again, I've never really bought Benchmark. Right. Um, but knowing that that's, does it make a difference? I don't. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Like if if you didn't know it was Buffalo Trace would make a big deal, not really, because you know you guys know my take on Blantons. I hate Blantons. Oh, this is okay. I I I would say Blantons is a little bit for the same proof because they're right around eighty six. Yeah. Um, this one's a little, feel like a little hotter than Blantons. Yeah, and I think I, I and it could just be like a mental thing, but I feel like the cheaper a bourbon is, like. The hotter it feels, typically for well, they're uh, usually you know, not aged as long, right, right, right. But this one, yeah, I don't know. For fifteen bucks, it was there. I get, you're not going to find it, but right. it's not one of those you have to be. An it's a good grab list. for fifteen bucks. I got lucky. I'll say that. We'll take it. It's not my favorite. We've tried a lot of great whiskeys, but for fifteen dollar bottle, yeah. And problem hey, is, can you find it? Because as Gabe said, it so it's like a fifteen to me a fifteen dollar bottle. You should be able to find it, right? And that's why Am I like going to hunt go this buy. down for fifteen dollars. Mm. Yeah, Probably not. and and some what I've seen was unless you tell me there's a two thousand dollar resale on a fifteen dollar bottle, <laughs> you know. Well, with with all of the popularity within bourbons and whiskeys nowadays, I feel like a lot of these brands are coming out with these kind of weird releases or top floor or small batch or whatever. So for this being the first run, I'm wondering if it's going to be probably easy easier to find here in the next year um, out there as more people have tried it. Eh, it's fifteen bucks. You know, rather go off and try the other one. But yeah. I got this. I got this one, and I did. They just put out a case of Smoke Wagon Straight 
which that is my jam. So it was a good it was a good trip. Volkswagen is good. That time you let us try some was, oh, yeah, was, was pretty great. Yeah. yeah, and again another one. I mean those two bottles in total is fifty bucks. Oh yeah. So yeah, and that one I'll I should have brought two because I think that one is like a Christmas gift. Uh-huh. Oh, it's fantastic. Everyone yeah, the totally smoke wagon. Oh yeah, the smoke wagon. My go-to Christmas or my go-to gift bottle is Angel's Envy. Yeah, and that one's fine. Especially too. if they're like not like if they're like just kind of into bourbon or if like they're not going to hunt something down. But like Angel's Envy, good price point, and it's like. I've never met somebody who can't at least drink the bottle. You know what I mean? Right. Now, that I think that's Asian port wine barrels, barrels it is, as well. So it's, always, right? it's a little yeah. sweeter, right? It's like that fruity yeah. kind of aftertaste. Which but those are great. Yeah. Yeah. If, if somebody likes to wants to get into sipping bourbon, that's the one I think I rep- recommend more than any other bottle. And, I'm a, like it. it's yeah, a gift and, bottle. and I'm a sucker for, for non-peated scotches uh-huh. that have that sherry cast right. or those because beca- yeah. exactly the same thing sweeter more fruit right when it's 30 degrees outside those are perfect yeah plus that angels in the bottle like presentation speaks a lot you oh know, yeah and it looks nice and that's what's nice about the smoke wagons it's a beautiful the bottle, bottle of a smoke it's probably the best looking bottle yeah. out there yeah. yeah for sure but yeah no that's yeah benchmark top floor 86 proof so, uh, what'd you guys think? I got my travel trailer on Friday. What'd you guys think? You guys both got tours of it today. Dude, that's super cool. Give me your impressions. So, just so the listeners know, my wife and I bought an Airstream. The model is an Airstream Base Camp 20X. Um, it's not the traditional looking Airstream. It's like the very rounded fronts and flat top. Ours is a more modern looking Airstream. Um, they're also smaller, so ours is 20 feet long, so it's not a huge trailer. Um, but it's still I, that Airstream motif. It's the Airstream motif and, like, the silver, you know, look. look. The interior reminds you of an Airstream, right? It's a little modern for for the the look, but it's got, got I don't know, kind of thinks Yeah, I think all the, because we looked at, like, when we were there, I mean, we obviously weren't going to buy, like, a, what is it, like a Bambi or like a Caravelle or like some of their like big, like real nice top tier trailers. The interior was very similar. Like they're doing like, and even in the traditional looking Airstreams, they're doing like that modern style interior. So they're like, they're updating the interior, although they're keeping like the shell kind of the same look. Well, you said you were getting one. I never asked what brand, and when I walked into it, I was like, wow, this looks like, eh, kind of like an Airstream. Yeah, like, well, he did say it is an Airstream. <laughs> it's kind of like an Airstream. Kind of like an Airstream. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, what did you guys think? Honestly, it's super cool. Like, I'm I'm a little envious. It's, <clears throat> it's kind of like everything you need, especially for just you and McKenna. Like, I don't know. Like, I can't think of a better situation. It's got, like, the full bed. It has a shower and everything in it. Yeah, so just I don't know. It it's looks, a w- it's a wet bath, which is kind of unique. Yep, also, um, it just looks cool. Like it look, yeah, it looks cool. And also, it looks comfortable. McKenna did an A plus job decorating. Yes. and like making it feel like uh, it feels like a little camp, little home, home. camp. It's yeah. neat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it's super tall. Right. Like, yeah, not you a bad stand, way, yeah, you can but stand it is room, taller yeah. than like like I remember. I'm like this thing is. Like, gigantic, you know? Yeah, which is because nice you can stand up in it and not right. have to worry about. Hitting and then the other thing, what actually sold us on that, even compared to the more traditional Airstream, is, like, windows almost all the way around the trailer. Yeah, so, like, even when you're in it, it feels huge. Like you said, yeah. it's, it's they're one of their smaller sizes, but with yeah. all the windows, with the, the way the windows are curved, too, it makes it feel like it's huge inside of it, yeah. right? It's really, well, really... I drove up. And and I was walking to the door, and I hear someone talking out of the out of the, the you know the the trailer, and I, I 
It's like, what's going on? And I walk in, and Landon's spread out. He's already laying down. It looked on like the, he was already trailer? sick. You guys had been in there? You guys hadn't even been in the house. No, because McKenna got it all decorated today and finished all that up. Uh, so just so as soon as I got in. home, we went in. She had it all set up, so I just like took my shoes off and sprawled out. Right. Now I'm interested. And we were in there for like an hour talking. Yeah. yeah. Right, and that's that's that says a lot now. A month from now, it'd be interesting to see what the pros and cons for or are, and and you know a couple of months from now, what what else do you have a trip already lined up to go use it to use well, it to break it in? We're gonna fish the Bud Pretty for sure. Okay, which is in May. Um, the Bud Pretty is a fly fishing tournament that is put on by Alamo Fly Fishers. They do it in uh, Camp Wood on the Nueces River. You know the tournament kind of changes every year. It used to be a one fly tournament where you can only fish one fly. And they had different categories, most fish, you know, biggest bass, you know, a bunch of different categories. But you could only fish one fly, and you could lose it, but you could only fish the same pattern all day. Well, I thought I thought from, I mean, going way back, I know they've probably changed the rules, but initially it was like that one fly, and if you broke it off, that was it. That was it, yeah. Right. And there's a big one fly tournament in Montana that's that way. You know, it's very strict. Um, but I think... You know, it's a lot of it's a family event. People take their families out there, and, like, they want to fish. And it's like, you know, somebody that's new or a beginner, like, a one a legit one-fly tournament, you know, you don't want to be fished for an hour, lose your fly, break a fish off, lose your fly, and then you're done for the whole day. It kind of ruins the day. So then they switched it to, um, you know, one fly. Like, you had to pick a pattern. One pattern, okay. if you had 12 of them in your box and you lost, you know, you lost a couple throughout the day, not a problem. You just had to see what you could do on one, one pattern. One pattern. And then they have nice. prizes for different, like, biggest bass. Or most fish. fish. Most fish, yeah. Yeah, and the most fish category, I was there one year when they were, like, 160 fish. Dude, it because was, was like, crazy. It was, yeah. like, brim reaping, you know? No, yeah. well, yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, small. They're using small stuff, and that, that fly is dipped in epoxy, you know, because you don't want it to get shredded. Right. And, uh, and using heavy leaders. So. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, ex- exactly that. A fish is a fish is a fish. Is that counting towards so. And that campsite's really cool. They have a swimming pool and out at that campsite, and it's on the river. So there's a lot to do there. Anyway, last time me and McKenna did, we rented a cabin. We're gonna take the trailer down there for sure. And also, it's an open invitation. Alamo Fly Fishers puts this tournament on. So McKenna and I are gonna be there. I'm gonna fish the tournament. If any of y'all who are listening want to participate, it's an easy sign-up. You just go to the Alamo Fly Fishers website and sign up for the tournament. And it's the entry fee is not very expensive. You'll have to go out there. You can, They have cabins you can rent. If you have a trailer, you can take a trailer. You can take a tent. So there's plenty of options for, like, sleeping out there, but it's just a good time. And if we get a pretty nice group together, you know, I invited both you guys out there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if we can kind of plan it, then we can maybe get some campsites close together and we can like all like you know cook steaks and have a campfire and all that each night. And I don't what, know if I want to roll out of my tent cot to look at you all comfortable out of yeah, <laughs> your freaking <laughs> yeah, house on wheels, air conditioned, you know. everything you know too bougie for us. What's the yeah. name of it again? The 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 competition. Uh, the Bud Pretty. Yeah. Bud Pretty. Now Bud used to be one of the like he's a local legend, local legend who wrote. The book, and the you original guys, version, and of go the, back and listen to Kevin Hutchison's episode, episode. to talk more information yeah. about that. But yeah, uh, Bud Pretty wrote the original Fly Fishing in Texas Hill Country. And my understanding, I never met Bud. I moved to San Antonio after he passed. My understanding, he passed kind of un- unexpectedly. Something like that. I know he was like a I'm not doctor. A, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but my sense is that it was somewhat unexpectedly a little young, mm. and um, and so after he passed. 
um, the family gave Kevin the rights to keep right. the book right. published, and Kevin has been updating it. And, and let's adding be honest, rivers. if you've got a t- fly fishing tournament under your name, you're probably a good guy. Yeah. You know, you're probably liked yeah, by a yeah. lot of people. Yeah. So you see from, from the guys I talked to, some of the, the older dudes from, from the group, you know, they had a lot of nice things to say yeah. about them. So, so yeah. that's pretty cool. No, for sure. I just so, never I, – I always – something would always come up that weekend or it was like bad weather or something. And yeah. I think maybe those bad weather days were probably the better days to probably win that thing. Yeah. Because a lot of people weren't fishing. So I think it's uh, May 14th is the Saturday that the, the tournament's day. on. I'll probably take a couple days off before, go out there early, hang out, have yeah. a good time, fish yeah. the tournament hard. Is that Mother's Day weekend? Is that Mother's Day weekend? Yeah. As someone who has a birthday on May 11th, no, yeah, right. that weekend is typically Mother's it's Day weekend. It's May 8th. Is it? It's early? Yeah, May 8th is oh. Mother's Day. Okay, cool. So everyone who's listening, mark your calendars. Yeah. Mark your calendars. Come fish the tourney. Yeah, Mother's Day's done, so you can already do hey, a nice Mother's Day for your you wives. Want. And if you so guys you are go. out there, then we can record some podcasts, too. Ooh. So you guys need to mark your calendars. I just don't want to hurt y'all's feelings when I win it. Yeah, you want, I'll, I'll be happy for you. <laughs> yeah. If someone in our podcast group wins that's a plus for the I'm podcast i'm gonna go back to work with that trophy oh yeah. go back to my old know, employer man. and be like oh look, oh look at this guys I guess look at this about. <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna go put up my picture up there <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah man we're super excited about the trailer we've got it all set up and there's some a couple more things we need to do but it's pretty much ready ready to roll yeah that's awesome and i think we're gonna have a good time and uh there's a lot. I won't get into the reasons, but there are some specific reasons we decided to do a trailer because um, we've traditionally done like a lot of traveling. But uh, there's just some stuff going on that a trailer made it easy. So we got a nice trailer, and we're gonna take full advantage of it as much as we can. I don't blame you. Yeah, and not at all. Open invitation. If we're going camping, people can come. But you we do can, number two outside. Do what? You do number two outside. You can do it inside. <laughs> That's what I want to know. I want to know what what it's like in there. I didn't see the bathroom. Well, so oh, so here's that. the deal uh, with trailers, and what I've had multiple t- people tell me that I work with that have trailers. They're like, you don't have to use the black tank. Yeah, don't touch it. Yeah, and so if we're going to a state park or if we're going to a campsite and they have public restrooms and showers, yeah. I'm taking full advantage of that. I'm not going to touch the black tank, mess with it. Because a lot of people's trailer issues come with, right. like, from the black tank. So we'll use a gray water tank. We'll use fresh water tank. If we're somewhere where we have to use a black water tank, not a problem. We'll do it. But I know at the Bud Pretty, they have public showers and restrooms. So just use that. So that's yeah, what, just that. what we're going to – that's how we're going to roll there. Or unless your name is Cliff, who poops everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, he can just – I can't – I just – I was looking – I was listening back to some old episodes. I was like, I can't – I can't do that. I can't just pick a spot. No, I mean, shovel. I got hey, my hat's off to him. I'm the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I did a guided trip on Saturday. Oh, yes. Tell yeah, me. go ahead. Yeah, so I did. Uh, Kevin Hutchinson called me up, and uh, he's like, hey, man, I need some help with a guided trip on Saturday. I loved it. I haven't done a guided trip in a while because the new job's been busy. And I work on the weekends a lot, so I've never, I had never met him. I've, I've only seen his flies, and you know, and, or write ups, or, or you know, just something he's written or something. And yeah, I always, always respected that. And when you guys had him on, I just thought it would be fun to hang out. You know, it, as using him as a guide, I think would be fun to just hang out with. Yeah, shade. well, Kevin is such okay. So a couple things. Kevin is such a great personality. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I and even like guiding with him for a day. 
Um, and I was honestly a little bit nervous to to guide with him for a oh, day. I, Kevin, I'm right there with you. Kevin is like a legend. He's a great guy. One thing I really noticed, I do a good job. Like I'm very personable and like do a good job of like talking with people and you know having a good time. But Kevin just like a personality that is like so eccentric and he yeah. has such great stories. Yeah. Like listening to him, I'm like, man, I just want to fish. Like that's what I'm missing is like I don't have that like eccentric like great story. Yeah. Like, I'll talk with you all day. Love to get to know you, but I'm not that guy that like is next level. And Kevin is that. And then another thing, Kevin's customer service is top notch. Yeah. Um, one thing that he does that nobody else does um, is he does like really nice lunches. And uh, we had like we had chicken. Um, he made like homemade uh, jalapeno um, hummus. Pita bread, oranges, like cookies, like all of it was homemade, like homemade coleslaw, homemade potato salad. Like it was a solid like lunch. He brings a table, sets the table up. All the clients can sit at the table, have like a nice lunch on the river. And then he gives them a gift basket at the end. His wife owns a printing shop. And actually, a lot of our stickers and hats and stuff come from Terry, mm-hmm. um, who prints that stuff for us. But he gets like T-shirts printed and like gives them like – you know, like two beer, two bottles of beer, like a beer glass, and like just like a nice like gift basket for them yeah. to take home. He does like eight like customer service. Like if you go on a trip with Kevin, the fishing might be slow, but you're gonna have a great time. Exactly. Kevin yeah. is like he's fun to hang around. His stories are great, um, and he just like customer service is top notch. So I did this trip with Kevin. Um, uh, the fishing was really slow. No, I'm good. Uh, the fishing was really slow, so uh, Kevin took two people out on his boat. It was a group of three. I took one person out on my boat. The water okay. was low. Um, the fishing was also slow. So the way that we tackled it was Kevin took the two more experienced people, um, and I took the guy who had never fly fished before, which I was all about because I love teaching. Uh-huh. And so I could just like take my time with him. There was no pressure. He was just out there. He's like, man, I work a lot. My, you know, kids, like yeah. all that. Like, I just want to chill. You <laughs> like know, this is learn. a vacation. This is a vacation. I'm like, all right, man, no pressure. You know, we'll just, we'll just, we'll just work. Sure, we'll get you better. Time. We'll just make sure you have a good time. We'll get you better at casting. We're having great conversations. Um, and uh, and so like I helped them like with this cast, and we were just kind of like it was very relaxed, chill. One thing about it though is that, uh, like with him being a newbie, I was just like, man, we just gotta get a panfish, like. I was, like, fishing for panfish. When I know those other guys, like, I see their flies they were throwing, like, were this big. I didn't know what they were fishing. But, like, knowing that they were ahead of us and seeing the fly, like, these guys are, those guys on the other boat were fishing for bass. Yeah. I was like, all right, we're behind them. We're going to throw, like, small patterns yeah. for panfish. I pulled out, like, my bread and butter flies for panfish. We couldn't even, I couldn't even get a panfish to look at it, like, yeah. to come out and take a look. I was like, man, I was just, I was cycling through flies. It was a little bit frustrating. Um, and uh, we tried grasshoppers, just like you know, hairs ear, hairs ear, just oh, like any really? anything that I know, like parachute atoms, parachute atoms, parachute atoms. <laughs> no, I didn't try parachute. Swamp monster, which is my bread and butter, real getter. Uh, hairs oh, ear. swamp monsters. I haven't heard those in forever. Dude, yeah, swamp, they were. Sw- you know, uh, swamp monster would be my one fly. Yeah, really. But, yes, I I slay on swamp monsters. Uh-huh. Um, so like I tried all, all of my bread and butterflies that I know that if I went out, like all my confidence patterns, they would work well. And we just like, I couldn't even get a follow. I was just like watching the water and like, 
a lot of times you'll just see panfish come out and look at it, and they, they might be a little indecisive. Like, not even that come out and look at it, just mm-hmm. just dead, you know, just like nothing. And so we fished till lunch. Um, also, his casting, you know, he had never cast before, so that was an issue at times. And so, you know, I was just teaching him. We were having a good time hanging out, whatever. So we eat lunch, and then one of the guys that was on Kevin's boat gets sick at lunch. Oh, oh dang. And uh, sick from maybe something, I think, uh, maybe drinking too much. Bad breakfast or something. Maybe like bad dinner the night before. Yeah. Never really figured out what the issue was, but he was like, you know, throwing up and having a hard time. So we switched our game plan. Hey, free chum. Uh, <laughs> Kevin uh, took the guy I had and Matt, and uh, I took the sick guy because our strategy was just like, man, if you're feeling sick, I had medicine on my boat. Like I gave him some ibuprofen, so I had some like medicine handy and. Whatever you want to do, man, we're good. He actually fished like the rest of the day, and we ended up did 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 get a bass. He said that he was uh, the the guy on my boat said that he was cursed when it came to fishing. Whenever he goes, really? he never catches anything, and then everybody always around him catches fish, and he never does. Like, all right, man, we're gonna get you a fish. Right. And so we ended up catching a nice little bass um, for him. But again, the rest of the day fishing was hard, and we yeah. got it on the micro game changer. Okay. Um, and then See, uh, why I the couldn't fish be a of the trip. I couldn't be a guide because I'd be yelling. I was like, I don't care your problems. You're going to man up, <laughs> and you're going to catch something. I don't care if you think you're cursed. <laughs> you're Bambino. He's cursed. <laughs> well, at, one, at one point, I asked the guy, because I believe if you're fishing a fly with confidence, then you will you will catch a- more absolutely. fish. It's uh, like Vegas. You can't go to Vegas, and I think you're going to win anything. Yeah, yeah. Confidence, 100%. At one point, we were fishing a fly for a while that I kind of liked, but we weren't catching anything. I was like, man... How confident are you on that fly? I was like, and he's like, oh, I don't know. You're the guy. And I was like, yeah, I'm the guy, but I just want to know. Like, on a scale from 1 to 10, what? how much confidence do you have that you're going to catch a fish on that fly? And he was like, two. And I'm like, all right, I'm changing I it. I got this fly with the Tyson touch. <laughs> Tyson touch. <laughs> so I put, like, and it was slow. Like, I had already cycled through my bread and butter flies, and we hadn't caught anything all day. So I, op- I, pu- I, I opened up my box, pulled a couple of flies. I'm like, which one of these – do you like the best? Because there's no difference at this yeah. point between me picking them and you picking them. I like I've worked through the flies I know that will catch fish. Right. They haven't caught fish. So which of these flies? I picked out a couple that I thought were good, and he picked one, and we fished it hard, and he ended up catching a bass. Nice. So on the one he picked. Uh, uh yeah, I, I believe it was on the one. I can't remember sp- exactly, right, but right. you know, but still, you know, no, that's cool. I, and he was like, and I was like, man, like sometimes he didn't understand the confidence thing, but I was like. You know, I'm trying to like, you know, you got to have confidence in what you're doing, like fishing. You got like you have to stand up there. It's so you know weird, if you man, feel and I was like thing. and I was like if you feel like you're cursed, that is part of the problem. Like we got to get out of that mindset. We got to get you some confidence. So like trying to like build that up because if you feel like you're cursed and you'll never catch a fish, you'll never yeah, catch a fish. And that is why that gentleman will always suggest the size 16 parachute Adams <laughs> because he <laughs> fishes it with so much confidence. Now that he caught that bass on it, man. <laughs> So that's awesome, though. Yeah, so we got him a fish. It was like there were probably like two to three. There were three fish total caught. Dang. Matt caught two. Uh, my guy caught one, and Matt was the experienced angler of the group. You could tell, like he was on Kevin's boat, but you know he he was making the cast to the shore every time. You know, getting a lot of good reps. Yeah, and, uh, and he only caught two fish. He caught two fish. My guy caught one, and then the new guy. Uh, who I started with and Kevin ended with didn't end up catching anything, but he improved a lot through the trip. Half the day on the boat with me to get him started, he took a lot of great instruction from Kevin, and he was just naturally improving 
throughout the day. Um, and uh, man, it was, it was it was we had a good time. It was a good trip. Good. Uh, the biggest fish though was a nice bass. It was like a two and a half three pound bass. Dang, yeah. That's so good. the 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 fish of the day was was a nice uh, fish for the Lano. Um, yeah, there's bigger fish out there, but like I if I caught like two and a half three pound bass on the Lano on any given day, that day is one hundred percent a win. Doesn't matter yeah. what else I catch. What else happens? Yeah. So totally agree. Yeah. Um. It man it was it was a good trip. Weather was great, and uh, yeah, I. You know, me and Kevin had a great time. So, anyway. Uh, you want to update us on the oyster? Yeah, so uh, another thing about the trip, I ran into Graham on the river. Ooh, really? Graham and a buddy of his were doing the same float we were doing. I feel like I know the guy he was out with, too. Uh, maybe. I didn't recognize him. That's right. Uh, maybe his name was Josh. Okay. I don't remember his name. I never actually met him or introduced myself. I just... Uh, us and Graham, Graham and his buddy were uh, kayaking, and uh, we were obviously floating. And so we kind of like helped each other out in the beginning because we were running sort of like, hey, will you watch our boats? Hey, will you watch our boats? Just so we kind of knew our stuff wouldn't be left out and have to worry about it while we were running shuttles and moving cars around. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, one thing I mentioned before my conversation with Graham is that um, – Oysters. So before that, okay. uh, one thing I want to point out is that, you know, we were doing the same float as Graham and his buddy who were out there recreational fishing. And, like, just to throw out there, Graham being a stand-up guy, you know, we had guided trips. He was, like, always concerned about, like, where we were in the river and what we were fishing. And I kept telling him, like, man, don't worry about it. Like, this, we're the only one. Like, there's four of us out on the river. It's not a problem. But just, like, I just want to say, like, appreciative of, like, their concern, even though I wasn't worried about it. Just like, you know, guys, hey, you guys are out here. You know, we just want to make sure we're not getting into what y'all are doing right. and vice versa. And, like, every time, like, we they passed us, we would pass them, kind of like hopscotch back and forth. And he was always like, man, we're going to give you guys space. I'm like, dude, dude, don't even, worry, don't even worry about it. Like, there's plenty of, but, like, I appreciate how, um, how kind he was. How kind he yeah, was. And, for sure. And, and all well, of that. Well, you guys know we've had Graham on the show, too. Just And Graham just... And that's a great... If you guys haven't listened to the episode with Graham... Oh, man. It was fantastic. It was so much fun. So, um, yeah. So, I just... Graham, <laughs> if you're listening to this, thank you. You're a stand-up guy. He's doing guiding now on lakes. Is he really? Yeah. So, I think we need to go out and do a trip with him. That'd be great. But, yeah, we had great conversation before. I did ask him about the oyster thing. I've seen a lot on social media. You know, when we reported on it last week... The article we read wasn't exactly clear on what exactly happened. So when I had Graham there, I was like, all right, Graham, what happened with the oysters? And Graham was like, so basically what happened is, you know, they were there. They had public comment, and um, they tabled it for later. So it wasn't voted on. Nothing was approved or denied. Okay. But basically they said, we're going to table it from later. We want some more research. And... Graham said that the votes were there to permanently close the three bays. That uh-huh. on the council out of uh not nine on the council. Uh-huh. It's either seven or nine. Okay. They had the votes for closing. Right. What happened the day before is some state representatives uh you know, called, you know, the council members and really urged them to push it off. Mm. And so that's what ended up happening. They never even voted on it. They allowed the public comment to happen. 
and then they tabled it for later. Uh, Graham said he felt like it was going to happen, that it was going to be closed, um, but that um, he, you know, he said he he said the votes were he felt like the votes were there, or he was very confident, and it's going to happen, but it's going to take time. Do they know when it's going to come back up? Nothing or? has been announced. I think there's some more research that they want to be done, but it will be continue to be an issue, so we need to continue to do our part fight to push awareness. Yeah. Uh, a fun thing I won't do, I know we're running short on time. A fun, I did join an oyster group on Facebook. I uh-huh. infiltrated them. <laughs> like, <laughs> like oyster like harvesters. Like oivist harvesters who are like posting their opinions on all this. Uh-huh. And so... Um, I will, um, you know, I'll bring up some on another episode as we continue to talk about this. I will bring up some of their posts the and, we can ca- and we can kind of talk about it. One thing I would be, I don't think they would do it, but I would, knowing what side that we're going to take, I would not be opposed to getting an oyster guy on the podcast. I'm sure there's somebody out there who would not be opposed to doing that. Yeah. I mean, we'd have to be respectful, which we would yeah. be. No, no, we would be respectful. <laughs> it sounds like we need to do a red fishing trip. On top of that as well. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. So, but Graham was real confident, and it seems like it just got pushed off. I think one thing, you know, a lot of people are posting. So I didn't know this, but the guy who owns Bucky's is the mm. lead, is the... Uh, so if you listen to our last episode, we had said, like, why well, is the guy's name, name Beaver? Beaver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's why. That's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. And, uh, you know, there's... I, I'm not going to mention it on the podcast until I do some more research. I really want to do like an in-depth video look into like all of this, but I got to find the time to sit down and do like an informative, investigative like video like that. Right. But um, there's a lot of things about money moving around, and uh, you know, people donating to large sums of money to political campaigns that may have gotten them seats on certain. Follow you know, the money like everything else. Yeah, follow, follow the, money. the money. So we'll look into that and see. We'll we'll dig into that. I don't want to say anything without knowing what I'm talking about specifically, especially when it comes to like, you know, con- campaign contributions and getting elected yeah. or getting appointed. Um, but uh, so he is the council chair, and uh, I guess it was his decision to push the vote off. So uh, very very interesting, and we can kind of see. Maybe dig into what's going on a little bit there yeah. uh, on a future episode. But that's the update. Graham seemed very hopeful, which was kind of reassuring because even when we talked about it last week and reading the article, I fully didn't grasp what happened. I thought it was an L, which a loss, which in a way it was a loss because they, you know, it didn't happen. But really the vote didn't happen. Right. So it was just like pushed off for later. Right. It doesn't change, but. Could still potentially. But we had the momentum, and another good th- public comment was heavily in support of closure. Oh, yeah. So, um, well, I think there's also be interesting, I think it would be a good idea for us to uh, get a, I think there's a lady at uh, Texas A&M Corpus Christi that does, is an oyster expert. Oh, it would be cool. Maybe reaching out to somebody like that and getting them on the show to get like a scientific look at the approach. Yeah, So for sure. Well, guys, uh, we're going to roll right into our – unless you guys have anything else. No, no I think we're okay. into it. We're going to roll right into our interview with Nathan Flowers from the Texas Fly Fishing and Brew Festival. Again, he's with Alter Fly Fishing. He got bit by a Lone Star Tick and can't eat red meat. So um, I hope you guys enjoy the interview, and we'll catch you all on the next episode. Yeah, next week. Next week. 
This year's NBA playoffs are going to feature a lot of great rookies, and FanDuel wants you to be one of them. Make your debut on FanDuel Sportsbook with promo code ROOKIE, and your first bet is risk-free up to 1000 bucks. So you can bet the point spread, grab the money line, or build a same-game parlay. And if you make a rookie mistake, FanDuel will give you up to $1,000 back in site credit so you can take another shot. Okay, this guy's got potential. Make every moment more with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Sign up and unlock your risk-free first bet up to $1,000. We're looking forward to seeing what you're made of. 21 plus in President Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's so nice out there. Out there in the Mexican markets where chilies stretch in the sun. High in the mountain air between backcountry skis and kids doing the first snowplow. Or next to the pool after a long day of forgetting what day it is. We're all here to get out there and come home more us than the us that went away. And when you save on travel as an Expedia member, you can travel even more. It's so nice out there. So let's go. Expedia. Made to travel. Terms apply. See site for details. Hey guys, welcome to Honey Hole Hangout. We are at the Texas Fly Fishing and Brew Festival. We have another great interview for you guys lined up. Uh, Nathan Flowers, you're with Alter Fly Fishing, and we interviewed you guys last year. Yeah, Eric. But, yep, and I we're gonna we're gonna talk to you guys again because uh, not only do you guys have a great organization, but you have some cool stories to share with us. <laughs> I, I, I do a lot in the outdoors. So, so let's <laughs> let's start with our connection. Yeah. So uh, you work in Buena Vista and live live in Buena Vista right yeah, now. Yeah, if if we were there, I'd have to correct you and say it's Buena Vista. Yeah, I know it's Buena Vista. <laughs> I, I've got corrected a hundred times. Is that right? But and I should remember, but you know, <laughs> it's just the Texan in me, Buena. I know Buena that, that's actually the right way to say it. But we want to know that you are from there, so we say Buena Vista. Oh, so that's actually the right way. Like you. you Buena oh, yeah. Vista just makes it different just because they want to. Because we said that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and uh, yeah. you actually currently work for one of my former employers. Yeah. Yeah. It's random. So, so, very random. So, you're working for Noah's Ark, and yeah. they're starting a fly fishing, uh, you know, po- portion of their business. Yep. And you are guiding for them. Yep. I kind of run their fly fishing part of it. So. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. So, uh, Noah's does. You know, it's traditionally done whitewater trips on the Arkansas River yep. through Browns Canyon. Some other stretches, yeah. uh, less commonly, but mainly through Browns Canyon. And uh, I was a whitewater and backpacking guide for them when I was in college. And now you're doing, they added fly fishing. and yep, you're just last year. You're rowing trips uh, mainly down Browns Canyon. Are you doing Browns Canyon trips? Yeah, we do Browns Canyon, and then we do walkwade stuff anywhere on there. It's, uh, we can flow anywhere, but that's kind of our specialty just because not as many boats or fishing boats are down that river yeah yeah well and it's got a ton ton of just rafting boats yeah so you got a busy it's a busy rafting yeah stretch a river for sure yeah you definitely have to pull over and wait for the the plastic hatch to go by and then uh, we get back on the river and keep on fishing (laughs) yeah for sure so um let's talk about altar first so will you kind of explain what altar does and what you guys are doing yeah so we are kind of Faith and fly fishing mix, and we do retreats kind of all over the U.S., so either 
some of our trips, they change every year, but we're in Colorado since I'm based there. We'll do three trips there. We, and then uh, we have a father-son one in Montana this year. We're going to just next, I guess, two weeks, we're going to New Mexico on the, to fish there on the San Juan. Yep. And so a little bit of everything. We do things from men's trips, father-son's trips. Uh, I was going to ask, what are these trips? Like, who can go on these trips? Yeah, a little bit of everybody. So we just started women's trips uh, this past year. Um, so we have two this year, one in uh, Colorado and then one in the um, Driftless area in Wisconsin. Okay. And then we do a lot of pastors retreats as well. So okay. we're doing two, three of those kind of all over, um, mainly Colorado and the Driftless area on those ones. But uh, And then we just do a men's retreat, at least one or two of those a year. And then um, I guess we're doing a couple's one actually this year as well in Colorado. Oh, so, very cool. Yeah, we try to cover all the bases. It, we started out just kind of doing men's and pastors and God's just opened up doors and started Start doing That's all awesome. Them, so. Yeah. so okay, so does do do people have to pay to go on these retreats? Are you guys fundraising to allow people to go? Yeah, um, uh, all the main retreats we do the uh, pay, but uh, the pastors ones we try to fundraise for them as much as we can. We okay. just see a huge need there, especially in this world that we live. There's a lot of burnout with pastors, and we see that need, and so we'd love to try to help them out any way we can. And you know, we only we do the retreat, and a lot of it's soul care kind of based stuff. Um, kind of talk about that in the morning, and then in the day go fishing and do whatever other outdoor activities. Um, but our big hope is at the end of it, we also do life coaching stuff. So try to, it's not just an awesome week, and then we leave and say bye, good luck. Um, we like to try to, to follow up, follow up, yeah, and follow through. You know, if they want to do life coaching type things, we can have those abilities to do as well. So. Okay. Do you all have like a wait list on those, or? Um, this year we have a few spots still available, but uh, yeah, every year it just depends. There's a couple already sold out, but we definitely have some openings. Are you guys working with guides and outfitters on these trips? Or are you guys, uh, you know, doing the guiding and stuff yourself, or do people kind of need to know fly fishing to come on the trip? Or? Nope. It seems like lately a lot of it's probably. 80% of the people don't know anything about fly fishing, so we do a lot of the teaching. Um, and it does depend on where we are. Sometimes we use other outfitters, like in Montana. We use the Kootenai Angler, Dave Blackburn there, and he does a great job, and their crew does a great job, and we just kind of facilitate it and do our teaching part of it on those ones. But like if you're in Colorado, I'm going to be one of your guides. Um, and then, yeah, just it just really depends. It just depends, yeah. 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 Okay, that sounds like a great radio. So what do you guys, uh, as far as bringing the faith portion of – uh, these trips together. What are you guys doing on the retre- uh, on the retreats to kind of like bring that faith portion yeah. to the retreat? Well, it's pretty easy. It's one of those things that uh, being where we like to go fishing and stuff. I mean, God shows up in those places. It's usually beautiful, right? And being on a river, you can usually find some solitude. And so that's a big part of it. And I felt like God just shows up in those moments. Um, we also, I mean, we do a a lot of soul care kind of talking, you know, and just like how are we taking care of ourselves and encourage people to share that kind of stuff. But really, like, <laughs> each trip is different because God just shows up and then you just never know what people are going to share and talk about and where it goes. So it seems like we have an agenda, but God has the bigger plan, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, Do you yeah. have any really cool stories that have come out of uh, your some of your trips? Um, I mean, every one of them is so different. I mean, my... One of my favorite ones are just the pastor's retreats and just a lot of these guys coming pretty burned out. Just they're always giving, giving, giving their whole life. And 
this is a chance for us to kind of pour into them. And so a lot, we had last year we had a guy uh, that was pretty much done. He was getting ready to hand in his. Uh, and he uh, was done because of burnout. Yeah, burnout. And just, I mean, COVID, it was really hard, you know. There was no face-to-face stuff, but you still had to pour into it lots of people and just part of that. But then just the culture we live in, it's pretty pretty tough out there for, yeah. for pastors. And so, you know, he was done. He was getting ready to throw in the towel and just – through that, of just being able to talk with him and really focus on him and where he was, and let him, to, you know, just share all that kind of stuff. You know, he's now flourishing again. His church is flourishing, and all those kind of things. So sometimes, a lot of times, we just need to step back, right? And whether we're a pastor or wherever we are in our life, we just need to step back, get into God's creation, just breathe, look up, and you know, so so many times we're just like go, 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 go. And so our our hope in all these, and that's probably the stories i would say most guys just being able to breathe look up and just like listen to what god's saying to them you know it's mm-hmm. not what we're saying by any means it's usually what the lord just has to say to them and a lot of times we just got to get away sit on the bank of a river and that'll happen right how many people go on your retreats uh, we'd like to keep it fairly small um most of the time it's 12 and under i mean we will do bigger ones but that's kind of our sweet spot okay awesome Awesome. Carson, you have any questions about the altar side of things? I don't think so, no. Yeah, what are, we, are we missing anything that's real obvious that we should know? With altar? With altar. I mean, I think that's it. I mean, we're just, we're new, we're four years into it, so God's still just opening doors and closing doors, and we're just still trying to find our niche, you know. You but guys need to do a Texas retreat. I know, that's what everyone keeps saying. <laughs> I, think, I think we will eventually. I, I don't know, it's like one of those things, but you're not too far from New Mexico, so we, we're, we're close. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but do you guys get uh, people from... Uh, like if someone from Texas wanted to go on, like let's say your couples retreat, mm-hmm. is that a is that a possibility? Oh yeah, for okay, sure. yep. okay, awesome. Yeah, yeah. So if you guys are willing to travel, yeah, li- listeners, if y'all are willing to travel, y'all want to get on one of these retreats and see what these guys are doing, and uh, I think that's awesome. Does, well, does I, it, I, I know the Texans are always in Colorado, right? Like yeah, it's all the plates I see in the summer. Too, <laughs> so. <laughs> does does each retreat have a specific location? Like the couples go somewhere. Um, Every year it'll change, so I won't just yeah. say there was one specific spot. But um, the people who are our friends that are running that one are based in Colorado, so they'll probably stay fairly close. Okay. So, you guys provide lodging too? Yep, it's, everything's taken care of: lodging, food, anything that you need, equipment-wise. You know. Okay. Awesome. All right. So Nathan, let's talk about you now. <laughs> uh, I heard uh, clip you you. Uh, you know, Cliff came back and was like, yeah, we got to get Nathan <laughs> on the podcast because he has a really unique food situation. There you go. And, uh, and you know, he's like, we got to get him on the podcast because I want to hear about this, dive into this. So, so I'm just going to, like, let you talk and kind of tell what happened. <laughs> okay. And well, what it is. Yeah. So uh, it's, well, it's called Alpha Gal Allergy. but uh, It's called what? Alpha Gal Alpha Allergy. Alpha Gal, okay. Um, but it, it came from a tick, which they say it's the Lone Star Tick. It's kind of based in the eastern part of the country, I guess. Uh, but I moved to Missouri for three years, and this was, oh gosh, 15 years ago, 17 years ago. But um, but anyways, I moved to Missouri. I was there for three years. Um, at the kind of end of that time of being there, I started getting these allergies from what we didn't know at that point right so all what did sudden, you think at the beginning and what were those like what were those symptoms so it usually always happened at night so usually five to six hours after i ate dinner um but uh all of a sudden i'd break out in hives 
couldn't breathe very well. And so it kind of scared me the first time, obviously. I'd never experienced that. And so taking some uh, Benadryl, any kind of allergy thing, it kind of would make it go away. So didn't think much of it. It happened once every maybe four or five months just randomly. Okay. And so, but as the time went on, I moved from Missouri. They kept happening 10 years later. Um, After that, it was kind of happening more often. So like once a week it would happen. So this was 10 years later, it got more frequent. Yeah, it just kept getting worse and worse. So I can't believe it happened like that slowly over time. Yeah, it was very slow. And and that's what, if you read anything about it, but it's kind of maddening because it's not a normal allergy. Most allergies... You eat something and immediately there's a reaction. Well, I'm allergic to bees. I get stung right. by a bee. You're done. There's an immediate reaction. Yeah. This is so different. It's like three to six hours. They say. Is this an anaphylactic shock allergy? Well, that's what it kind of um, feels like. Essentially, it's not okay. as bad as like you getting stung by a bee. Probably mm-hmm. it's immediate like swelling of the throat. I can definitely feel it coming on, but I can ke- turn it off pretty quick by just taking Benadryl. Okay. You know, I do have an EpiPen, but haven't had to use it yet. But anyway, so it's very random. And so I went. 10 years, just kind of not knowing what it was from or any, you know, I'd go to allergists and they'd be like, I have no idea. <laughs> and so finally I went to another one because it was getting bad where it was scaring my wife type of thing. So uh, she said, well, I just read this article and this was only three years ago. I read this article about this Lone Star Tick thing that maybe you should just quit eating red meat and just see what happens. And I said, well, I'll give it a try. So I did quit eating red meat. One, I started feeling 100% better because I always kind of had stomach problems, never felt great, and yeah. that was because of it. So, but uh, so didn't have any problems for a long time, and you know, just because I'd been so used to eating beef and pork every once in a while, I'd try to cheat and be like, it can't be that right. Well, then <laughs> since I had gone so long without it, all of a sudden it was like every single time I even look at pork, it seems like I get an allergy. So, um, but again, it's five hours after the fact, so it's, it was a weird one. Okay, so it just blow it just blows my mind. So, uh, you can't you can't eat pork or beef. Well, Ch- can you do chicken? I can do chicken. Um, they say red meats. So, but I think everyone has it a little different because I have some people I've met that say you know like beef. I can't eat beef. Well, I've just been able to start eat beef again, and it doesn't bother me. But pork still really bothers me. And they kind of said the allergist that I talked to said you know. If you think you got it this amount, you know, this many years ago, wait 15 to 17 years from that point and start trying again because it'll kind of go away, they think. But again, it's a new one. I think they say like maybe 5,000 people have this. So that's wow. not a big odd. That's not a lot. No. And they're probably all scattered all over <laughs> yeah, the place. And it's hard to get any like research. And there's probably it. more. Like there's probably more of them out there than no. But a lot of people just like me for so many years had no idea what it comes from. So, um, And so... Do, do they have, like, what causes it? Like, what in the what is the tick giving you that's causing it? And it's some sugar that they, when they eaten off a of pig or beef or whatever it is, it's some sugar enzyme that they've gotten that then they spread to you, hmm. and your body just reacts differently now to those meats. So, Man, sure that's way more scientific. That's crazy. Do you, do you have any idea of where you might have gotten it from, like, were you on a hunting trip? Well, or? no, I was, well, I worked at a boys' ranch there, and so I was in charge. We had cows and yeah. horses, all the things. So I'm sure it came from that. Yeah. And yeah. I was hunting and fishing all the time. And in Missouri, you don't go anywhere without getting a tick bite, <laughs> you know. So I, it was always my joke. I, I left there. I'd been bit by a brown recluse, a scorpion, and then this tick that keeps on giving. So <laughs> Missouri was not friendly to me. I loved it for the most part, but except for the... 
biting everything. So what, what is a life without red meat? I mean, are you eating <laughs> a lot of chicken and fish? Like yeah, uh, uh, that kind of became my diet. Was like just, a forced vegetarian. Yeah, in a sense. Do you, yeah. do you think you'll like ever go back? Um, to well, to like red meats and well stuff I, since you're I, so used now to that beef. I, now that I can eat beef, I, I'm a very big fan of that again. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I could, that was the weird thing. I could still eat like deer and venison. You well, know, I was going like to ask because you're also, hunter. you're yeah. a, you're a, a hunting guide as yeah, well. Yeah. Uh, what is venison and elk? It was fine. Like, I, I don't know. It's just, I guess there's not a lot of uh, mule deer and elk in Missouri, so they didn't eat that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. But, yeah. Well, that's just real very very interesting very rare too very rare yes. and uh unique and i uh, mean i would be sad if i didn't get to eat like red meat for yeah so anybody who's years. listening to this who's like been really sick and it always happens after the fact you should look into it because it is a weird allergy well that's my wife uh she was having real bad reactions to some kind of food she couldn't figure it out couldn't figure it out went to the allergist they're like you know she'd have like real bad stomach pains mm-hmm. You know, she'd go to an allergist, they test her for everything, nothing would come back. And then eventually she met with, uh, like, a nutritionist, I think. Yeah. And they're like, well, let's just start cutting stuff out one thing at a time. And, uh, you know, we'll see if, uh, you know, you get better, if you feel better. Yeah. Well, I think second thing on the list to cut out was gluten. Ugh. And uh, she cut it out, and she's like, I feel great. So much better, yeah. I feel great. You know, and then now when she tries to test it and she eats something, stomach pains right back to it, cuts it out, not a problem. Yeah. And she was tested for, like, a celiac. Okay, yeah. Not, she's not celiac, oh. but some kind of weird reaction that's going on that, uh, you know, her body just, just doesn't like it. Yeah, so it's random. It's just random. One of the, And no one can really explain, like, what causes it or what right. it is, but it she's getting relief from yeah. not eating it, so no. that's got to be it. That's the... the Best thing is when you finally have some kind of answer, right? Like yeah. That was the most frustrating thing is, like, you just didn't know, you know? And so once and I then had progressively getting years worse. without it. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> so it was definitely a relief, definitely a disappointment because I was a big fan of bacon, right? I wrapped everything in bacon. <laughs> oh. So. oh, yeah. <laughs> but now, yeah, I've learned to live without it. So um, let's talk about your hunting guiding. Yeah. Um, so you're a hunting guide in Colorado. Yeah. I how work. did you get into hunting, and then how do you make the jump? to like actually guiding for elk and mule deer because that's that's a big jump to actually put people on yeah hard animals to hunt yeah so i I guide for our mook rocky mountain outfitters of colorado um i've grew up hunting since i was can remember right and uh i've always lived in colorado for the most part um and so as soon as i graduated high school i kind of jumped into it um guiding fishing first and then uh just meeting the right people got put me in the right places and uh started guiding hunting i guess when i was 19. Mm-hmm. um and so i did that for quite a while full time and stuff but were you doing elk at that point yep no yeah and that was kind of my passion just because i grew up living right at the base of a mountain and you know they were in my backyard and so i was pretty obsessed about elk especially i mean i love mule deer hunting as well but elk is kind of my thing um, so that's kind of how I got into it. And then just, uh, I love to help people. So that's why I've become a guide. I love teaching people how to do the things I love and I'm passionate about. And obviously being in God's country, anytime I have a chance to share that with people, I'm all about it. So that's kind of how I jumped into it. It's just at an early age, meeting the right people and, uh, people seeing my abilities and just going for it. Yeah. So how many elk hunts do you guide a year? Cause you're probably with somebody for a week. I would I yep. would imagine, yeah, you know, you're doing hunts, five yeah. day hunts. Yep. Um, so, uh, how, how many days a year are you, uh, are you out there? 
Well, you know, Colorado's weird. You know, we have seasons, right? It's not just like one long period. So archery, you know, is usually a month long, kind of through the month of September for the most part. Um, and so I'll do one to two of those. So two weeks of that. Um, and then all the rifle seasons we have right now, three real rifle seasons that we guide. Um, and so I'm out there probably five, six weeks for that part of it. And then we also do mountain lion hunts in the winter time and mountain goat and bighorn sheep. So if I do those ones, I'm probably guide eight weeks a year, not a ton, but enough. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and that that's eight hard weeks. Yeah. 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 Do you yeah. use dogs for mountain lions? Yeah, we have a guy that has dogs, and, you know, my job is to cut tracks, and, you know, then we get the dogs down there, and then the chase is on. So. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. It, yeah, it really is, fun. yeah. Um, so uh, let's talk about uh, do you prefer archery season or do you like rifle season? Because I, I know both sides. The, ar- yeah. the argument is archery season, you get a lot more reaction from calling. Yep. Um, but you have to get much closer yeah. to pull a shot. And then rifle season, you know, they're not as reactive to calling, but you can, you know, make distance from yeah. a lot further out. Yeah. What's, so. what, what's, like, the average range you're going to take for a shot in rifle season? The rifle? Yeah. It just really depends. I mean, most of my clients, it's, you know, maybe 200 and under. Um, but we do, I mean, I've seen guys shoot up to 500, 600 yards. So, Dang. you know, when we're in the mountains, you know, you just never know. It's nice to be able to kind of shoot that. But for me, I'm an archery hunter, so I'm... Uh, sometimes people are like, I can shoot from here. I'm like, yeah, but we can get closer <laughs> you know, just because I love it. So, um, but my, for personally to answer your question, uh, uh, I love archery season for that fact of just being able to call in those elk and just communicate with them. And you get just learn close. so much more, you know, like no, I, I, it's, I always joke, like anyone can go out and just shoot one with a rifle. That's not really accurate because it's still, it's true. still pretty tough <laughs> um, for sure. But if if you know where to go and all that kind of stuff and you're patient, you know, like it, it'll happen with a rifle for the most part. And But archery, I just, yeah, there's something about a screaming bull in your face at 20 yards that I haven't found anything else that kind of competes with that addiction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I want to, I want to experience that. Yeah. Uh, we were talking that I'm going to try to, you know, get a tag close to where yeah. you got out of and put my name in the hat and we're going to, let's go, yeah, let's go hunt awesome. for a week. Yeah. I'd love that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the problem, especially if you're out of state, you, it, I've never had anybody kill an elk and be like, yeah, I'm good. I don't need to shoot anymore. It's like it becomes an addiction, right? <laughs> One, they're yeah. a giant animal. You know, they're 800 well, pounds. I think I'm, I, I am different than most people uh, in the sense that I, I am a guy of variety. Mm. So, like, even with fishing, you know, I'll get it, you know, I'll get into something and then, you know, I want to try something else and do something yeah. else. So, like, I feel like if, if we go and I don't get an elk, that's going to be an addiction. Right. But if we go and we're successful, you know, also in the back of my head, like, oh, I want to hunt a goat, like a mountain goat yeah. or a sheep or, like, whatever. I, I haven't even really, like, dug my heels into duck hunting. I want to try that. And so, uh, for me, I, I definitely like trying new things yeah. is, is my personality type. So, um you know, I, I think you could check me off that list of I'm not going to be, like, up in Montana every year. After well, we'll one see. Year. You come to Colorado and go hunting. We'll see if that sticks. Yeah, yeah. We'll see if there's a screaming <laughs> bull at 20 yards, and I, I might change my mind. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, what are some cool uh, – let's just talk about last season for you. What What are some cool stories that came out of some successful hunts? Yeah, so um, lately I've been doing a lot of more private land hunts, which – we don't have a huge plots of land there in Colorado, or at least where I guide. Um, but I guess for me, you know, there's been a bull. 
his Ben 9 nemesis, you know, and so he's this giant, he's a 7 by 8 now, he's huge, he's one of the bigger bulls I've seen in a hunting career, and uh, every year I've had hunters on this bull. Um, now, is this archery or rifle, or uh, both? This, this one is an archery story, and, uh, but I've had rifle hunters on him, I've had, you know, in the last four years we've kind of chased this elk, and he looks like he should be easy because it's never hard to find this elk. But um, <laughs> he's toying with you, man. Yeah, but he just plays with my emotions a lot. Um, my wife likes to just say, "Just yeah, it haunts my dreams." <clears throat> but anyway, so four years I've chased this elk, had many opportunities, a lot of flung arrows over his back, all those kind of things, full drawn, oh people gosh, not wow. you know hitting him, kind of thing. And it's just like it's now become this joke of like. I think he has a force field around him. Like no one can, like he's the, yeah. un- but the funny thing is, is like he's made me a lot of money because people keep wanting to come guide, have me guide <laughs> him on this elk, but no one can kill him. And so I'm like, well, job security. <laughs> right. <laughs> so anyways, uh, f- first day of the archery season for me, at least for this hunt was like the yeah, second week of archery season, but I've got him dialed in. I know what this elk's going to do. I feel like I've watched him so many times. I know what he's going to do before he does it. Have this guy, an amazing shooter, right? Can shoot 100 yards, no problem with a bow, which is which you know, uh, that, pretty, pretty big wow. deal, right? That's a big yeah. deal. And so, but anyways, like, so this is this is my guy, right? Like, he's going to be the one. And what does Dale do? Opening morning, does exactly what I want him to do. He's coming in, screaming his head off, beautiful, giant, the cows separate, which is what you wait for, you know, and <clears throat> what happens? The guy who can shoot lights out on anything has killed tons of elk, shouldn't be shaken, misses. And so, it, again. It, was that a buck at, fever thing? Did he miss because of nerves? Or? At 50 yards, and this guy can drill anything at 50 yards. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a nerve thing. And I think, it, uh, but again, this guy has killed as big, if not bigger bulls. And it's just like, I don't know, this bull is just a. Uh, the one that just makes does, me... Does private property... Because you said you're doing some guiding on mm-hmm. private property. Is private property different as far as getting a tag and all of that? No, it's then all the same. It's all the same. So yeah. basically, you know, you have to draw that tag for that area. So there, well, I take that back. It's kind of the same. There are landowner permits that you have to pay. You, you're you going to pay more for them. So, okay. you know, a lot of those guys... That's out of my... Yeah, that's A lot of those of guys are charging $1,500 just for the tag. But then you have to also buy the tag itself. I think for out of state, it's like seven fifty ish now. So. so you're looking at $2,000 just to buy the tag, and right. then are you paying for rights to hunt that property, or does buying the tag give you? Uh, yeah, well, that's kind of in the guide thing, so it's another $1,000 for the landowner yeah. access. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Have, have you personally tried to go after this elk? I did before he, um, like on the public land and stuff I had, yeah. And I, I too, has fallen to the missing <laughs> of this darn bull at... 45 yards that still haunts my dreams. Oh, man. <laughs> the one that got away. The one that continues to get away, yeah. <laughs> so what are some tips you have? Because uh, I have a bow, and I don't shoot as much as I should. What are some tips you have for uh, uh, archers that want to go hunt? Like, what's different than shooting in your backyard? And what do people need to prepare for before they actually want to want to go on an archery hunt? Yeah, I'd say a lot, especially for non-residents of Colorado, so people who are you know, from Texas or wherever, coming from, you know, altitude's a huge one for people, you know, and, and mm-hmm. just shooting in that, I mean, there is a change in it. So <clears throat> you can be the best shooter, but then you're running up and hiking up mountains, you know, so I'm saying one, get in shape, that's a, that's a huge one. 
um, as far as practicing and stuff. Like you can hit a target, a box in the backyard, but you know, get some 3D targets. Go to 3D shoots. I think those are huge. I mean, yeah, every we state have a total them. archery challenge yeah. that comes to you know basically between Austin and San Antonio. Yeah. So yeah. in our backyard. Yeah. So I'd say do do as many as those you can. I mean, it, a lot of it is I when I practice, it's kind of. I kind of do a little run, you know, I go run a mile and then practice, right? Okay. Because that's what it's going to be like because of... You're going to be the, out of breath. Well, it's the altitude, you know, it's not saying that we're just running after elk. It just means that, that that's the closest thing you can kind of get to the altitude feel, I guess. Yeah. And so that would be a big thing is just making sure you're in shape and stuff um, so you can kind of be used to the altitude because that's what gets everybody... Are you guys hiking camping gear in when you do these hunts, or so how does that work? We kind of do a little bit of everything. I mean, we we have horse packs. You know, we take oh, cool. the horse strings in, well, mules, I should say. Um, and so if you want to do one of the high country hunts, you know, th- those are probably the coolest. Uh, the success rate, it might be a little less. I mean, you're in public land at that point. Um, they're not as easy as on the private, not saying private is a for sure thing but there's a lot better odds there just because you don't have any more pressure from other people yeah you don't have anybody else on there right or moving your animals or yeah but if you want that real like if you're you don't want to just go kill an elk you want the real western feel of hunting out west and chasing elk like those public land you know packing on horses that's like the closest you're going to get to those real feel okay elk hunting i I think yeah yeah but if you want to just have your best odds i mean you can never go wrong with private. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is it like packing one of those things out, and how many Ooh. trips are you taking? It just depends who you are and how many guys you have. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if I'm packing one out by myself, it's usually, two, well, if I'm way, way back, you know, 10 miles out from the truck kind of deal, um, and I don't have horses, I'm deboning that thing, you know. I'm taking all the meat off the bone, just the less I can carry, and then I can get all of that in usually one trip if I'm doing it that way. Okay, um, maybe, two. but that's that seems like a lot of work on the front end to it debone. Is. Yeah, it's definitely a couple hours, to, and it, again, they never die in the easy spots, right? <laughs> they always go down into some hole or on some cliff or something stupid. Yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, if you have, that's why I I always tell people you uh, figure out who your best friends are during hunting season because when once there's an elk down. And you start making phone calls. You know who's your true friend if they show up to hike up a mountain <laughs> to pack out the <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Well, and you probably yeah. want to be that friend to somebody else, oh, too. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I love doing it, so. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Uh, what's your favorite elk recipe? Oh, man. Uh, I would used to say it's anything wrapped in bacon. <laughs> 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 right? But uh, I, I'm still, yeah, I mean, I, I guess my number one thing is stuffed backstrap. So, I Put uh, mushrooms and cream cheese and onion, stuff it inside of a backstrap, and then I used to wrap it in bacon. Don't do that anymore. Um, and then grill it. That's that sounds awesome. Favorite, so. That sounds really good. Yeah, yeah. And if you like spice, I'll throw some jalapenos in there. So, yeah. 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 We can, I'd be down for that. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah. let's talk. Let's move. Uh, oh, let's talk about mule deer for a second. Yeah. Uh, what, are you, what does a mule deer hunt look like? We hunt whitetail. Yeah. So and have you hunted whitetail before? I have, yeah. Yeah, so so how is hunting a mule deer different? And then what is the, what do those hunts look like for y'all? Well, we do a lot of spot and stock. So obviously whitetail, you're usually sitting in a tree stand or a blind or something, you know. And with a mule deer, it's a lot of just glassing, getting behind the binoculars or spotting scope and uh, finding what you like, you know, and then getting in after it. Um, 
we again we do private land stuff and that's a little different you know it's a lot more driving around and just glassing and glassing and yeah. just and you can stare at the same spot and those things jump out of nowhere you know <laughs> and so yeah. it really is if you want to be a successful mule deer hunter i really think it's just spending a lot of time behind the binoculars and find them and, once and you it's do, not the same way with elk because you're probably seeing like groups of elk right. together as i'm just trying to picture because i haven't been in either situation right but and an elk is a much larger animal so probably yeah. a lot easier to pick out on a glassing yeah they session. definitely can be i mean nothing's super easy to find it when you're dealing about you know you're trying to find them in their home not yours so um but i would say yeah mule deer my favorite time obviously is you wait till closer to the rut you know we don't really have any hunting seasons that are like right in the middle of the rut um but uh at least where we're hunting but um as close as you can to that last third season when the weather's starting to come you know if you really want to find a true big one you wait till that snow kind of starts pushing them out of the high country um at least in the unit that we're guiding that's the best way to do it yep um so doesn't mean that you can't find them any other time of the year but uh, you might have to work a little harder so a lot of it is you know wait till the weather kind of pushes them around yeah but so, yeah, we spend a lot of time glassing, and then once you kind of find it, then the, the fun begins, you know, the spot and stocks part of it. So that's that's what's more fun. I, I'm not a very patient guy, which is kind of funny because all my hobbies take some patience, but, like, sitting still is not my idea of fun. That's why I fly fish because it's constant movement, you know, and that's why I bow hunt and stuff because I'm hiking and moving and all the time. So Yeah. yeah. What does a, a mountain lion hunt look like? <laughs> um the best way to mountain lion is you really wait for the snow. So usually the, this is is in January, February is kind of the best time in March <coughs> um, to hunt them. But yeah, it's uh, it's you wait for the snow so you can find those fresh tracks. So it's a lot of just driving around or hiking depending on where you're at until you cut one. And then once you cut the a bigger tom track is usually what you're looking for. Then you get the guy. We have a guy that comes in with dogs and he lets those go. And so. Sometimes it can be over in an hour, 20 minutes. You know, they chase them in a tree. That usually doesn't happen, especially if it's a big one that the chase is on. And usually those guys go either to the nastiest, deepest canyon that they can find, you know, in the rocks, or they go straight up the mountain, you know. And so you just never know. Again, you better be in shape because <laughs> sometimes you're – and it's snowing, right? So you're – trekking through three to four feet of snow sometimes trying to get after these cats yeah. but you know the dogs do their jobs and this guy has a great group of dogs and they chase them and hopefully we'll get them in a tree pretty fast you know but again they don't always go by themselves so you know those dogs might cut off onto a smaller track and then you gotta re-get them pull them off of that cat and go on another track after the big cat and so sometimes it makes for really long days and you can work really really hard for, for nothing you might not you know because by the time you get that hunter up the mountain to where he's at the, the cat might have already jumped the tree or jumped the cliff or wherever he's yeah. at and so it's always exciting <laughs> do they take tags too you need uh, a tag to hunt them oh yeah you have to have a tag and but it's uh pretty much over the counter you have to take a test it's not a very hard test um before you can get a license, but you can get a license every year for them. What, what do you have to take a test for? What are they asking you? Uh, just a lot of questions. I mean, kind of safety things and make sure you really know what you're hunting and all that kind of stuff. Kind of like the yeah. bear. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah. 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 The bear identification test that Montana does. I don't know if Colorado yeah. does. Not for bear, we don't. Yeah. But, yeah, it's kind of like that for yeah. mountain lion. Cool. 
Um, let's talk about your fly fishing a little bit. So you're uh, fishing Browns Canyon on the Arkansas River for the most part. Yeah, that's it for doing floats. But, yeah, my favorite thing, I love to teach people, so I do a lot of the walk wade stuff and leave the the float trips to these young guns that want to go that want to down rounds. the river all day. Uh, I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. Like I did that for, <laughs> I did that for two years and, uh, it it's stressful yeah. and it where I was doing like two trips a day yeah. and it's on all of that. It's stressful yeah. because there's some serious, it's safety, thing, serious yeah. water. Yeah. I mean, there's at and times, you, you know, you're, you're responsible. For, yeah. Yeah. You're responsible for the people in your boat and you want to make sure that yeah. they stay in your boat the yeah. whole trip. And I will tell you, uh, uh, funny story. I had, uh, uh, one of my last trips my second year, I actually had a legitimate, legitimate swimmer. And uh. I don't want to tell that story, but uh, it was a group from Baylor, and uh. they just would not listen at all. Yeah. And it was just a bad deal. Uh, that was one of my last trips ever. But I did have to do, like, a full report uh, because I had another swimming incident where we were just, like, on some, like, calm, flat water. And, yeah. uh, dude, we were having, like, a splash, <laughs> splash fight with another boat. Yeah. And, dude, our boat just, like, tapped going like this fast and one dude just, just like plops out <laughs> we grab him pull him back in yeah. and at the end of the trip and it was with the trip leader like i was having a, a splash fight, fight with, with the <laughs> trip leader in the and after the trip was over the trip leader's like you're you are gonna have to write a report for that so like i had to do like the whole report yeah. and like the whole deal and like you know oh yeah incident report and fun stuff yeah, yeah yeah and all that fun stuff <laughs> you know had to had to write it all out and they had to ask me about it and all the questions yeah out. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it definitely is, and that's probably why I don't love doing the the float stuff as much as the walkway, just because I feel like I have a little more. I mean, you're still in the water; anything can happen, but a little more control, right? Yeah, and I can focus more on the fishing and less on the just like keeping people safe going down the river. Yeah, but it's hard to beat moving in a raft because you can cover so much more water and catch a lot more fish yeah. in that sense. I think. But. And I never fished Brown Canyon while I was there, but are there big? Oh, you missed big out. fish. Yeah, you know the. There are some good fish in the Arkansas, but like a big fish, like if you're catching an 18-inch, that's a pretty big one for yeah. the Arkansas River. There's a lot of fish, you know, where it's more of a quantity rather than a quality type type of deal. But yeah. And it's mostly browns, uh, trout, and there are some rainbows. I mean, there's a lot of species, but those are the main ones we're catching. Um, What's prime time? Because flows are really, you know... Is, is prime time rafting season like prime uh, time fishing? Yeah, or? if you're doing the float stuff, I mean, I don't know. The Arkansas fish is good year round, I feel like. But like June is kind of that you never know if it's, you know, our runoff. So you never know if it's going to be blown out or anything. So um, that can be a little iffy in June. But <clears throat> July is usually safe. But yeah, I don't know. It just depends on what you, what you like to do. If you're a dry fly guy, then obviously the summer is your, your time of year. And. I, I love to nymphish, Euro nymph, and so I love it when everyone leaves and I can jump on the river with no one there and still catch a lot of fish. Yeah, nymphing. So, so if uh, if people wanted to book a trip with you, and I would recommend, here's what I would do: if I, if I was a listener to this podcast and I was, you know, giving and giving myself advice, I would say, you know, go to go to Bienna Vista. Yeah, not Buena, Bienna. <laughs> good, good job, good job. Go to Bienna Vista, get a nice place to stay. Yeah. They have great food. Uh, they have, like, great breweries. It's a fun little town. Mm-hmm. Nice golf course. I play, think <laughs> I played golf one. That was when I was, like, golfing Small, a lot more. Fun, yeah. yeah, golfing a lot more. Yeah. And the ball flies better in the nice thin air. Oh, yes. Um, and uh, just go and book a rafting day. You can do, just like, legitimately raft Browns Canyon. It's yeah. super fun. 
and uh, then book a fishing day with Nathan. There you go. And go out and wade and go catch some fish. Yeah, check us out. And, uh, uh, yeah, go see where I used to stomp around. Stomping grounds there. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I invite you. Come on. You have a melee? Of course I have a melee. Yeah. It's my favorite jacket. Yeah. yeah. You can't live that close you can't to Leadville be, you, and not have one, You right? can't be a guide, like a whitewater fishing guide in Colorado right. and not have a melee. Yeah. You're not a cool kid until you have yeah, one. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Well, thanks for coming on, Nathan. Anything yeah. else you want to mention? Or I think that's uh, it. So best way to book, if they want to book a fishing trip, it's through Noah's Ark. Yep, go to Noah's Ark, and it's all there on the website. Okay. Yeah. And then if you guys are interested in doing an altar retreat or know someone who would want to yeah. go, uh, what's the best way to, to Same do thing, that? Same thing, just alterflyfishing.org, and it's all there on the website. And, and then if someone wants to go hunting, yep. what's our, the way to do that? Rocky Mountain Outfitters of Colorado, our MOOC. So. Okay. Yeah. Okay, perfect. All right, guys. Well, Nathan, thank you. Well, this thank was you great. For us. Also, don't get bit by ticks if you want to continue to eat red <laughs> yeah, meat. Yeah, yeah, especially you guys living in Texas. Come yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> Bye.